The Mandela Effect can often be explained by people simply misremembering details they were barely aware of in the first place. So what happens when two groups of super nerds begin to duke it out over whether or not Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise was constantly caressing his favorite crystal? Then we take a look at a bizarre phenomenon that may have massive repercussions for the future of paranormal research. Is it possible that all of the ghosts that haunt the world, whether it be in a lonely graveyard, a spooky house, or your bathroom, is it possible that all of these ghosts are disappearing from planet Earth? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We've got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, let's go ahead and introduce one of our newest Patreon supporters walking into Dead Rabbit Command. Everyone get up and give this guy a round of applause. It's Jeff, my name. Woo, Jeff, my name. Come on in. I don't know if that's actually, I don't know if that's actually his handle or he typed it in wrong, but... Jeff, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Don't worry. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. You have no idea how much that helps. Or maybe you do, and you are promoting the show. And in that case, thank you. Jeff, let's go ahead and toss you the keys for the Dead Rabbit rocket ship. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Get ready to blast off. We are leaving behind the gravity of Earth. We are headed all the way out to the final frontier. And Jeff flies us all the way up to the Star Trek universe. Longtime listeners of Dead Rabbit Radio know I'm a huge Trekkie. It's actually one of those things I'm super embarrassed about. I don't tell people that. I mentioned it maybe 400 episodes into the show. It was too late. You were already a listener of mine. You couldn't hold your head in shame. I've been a Trekkie... For a long time, really Next Generation, when it was originally on the air, I was watching it week to week back then. And I, I watched it all the way up to Enterprise. That was the end of my Trek experience. But I was like reading the books and all that stuff. Action figures. I love it. I love the Star Trek universe. But I wouldn't call my, even though I'll use the term Trekkie, I'm not a Star Trek super fan. Yes, I've seen every episode of the show and collect the toys and read the books. But that's still, I would still be considered a pleb by the people who really, really love the show Star Trek. So when I came across this conspiracy theory fairly recently, it's been around for a couple of years, but I hadn't heard of it before. I kind of had to default to the super fans because even though I've watched all the episodes of this show, I couldn't tell you whether or not this was true. What we're looking at here is one of the most interesting examples of the Mandela effect because this is something that people obsessively know about. This is something that you have super fans about. I 100% believe that the Berenstein Bears, and that was the name of the book when I was growing up, and now it is the Berenstain Bears. I know for a fact that was not the name of the book. But when you talk about stuff like Luke, I am your father, I go, oh, that's just because the parody Saturday Night Live would make that line, and that line became more famous. Or C-3PO, um, he has a silver leg. Now in the movies and people go, no, I just remember him being all yellow. I go, well, you know, most of us learned about or, or, or were most familiar with C-3PO from the toy 
And I think the toy was all yellow. Again, like, even though I like Star Wars and stuff like that, and I liked Fruit of the Loom underwear, I, I wasn't so invested in those brands that when people say, and especially the Nelson Mandela thing, I don't, I still don't know if he's, uh, I think he's dead now, right? But it's like when people go, oh, did you know Nelson Mandela died now? And I thought he died years ago. And I was like, I, I'm vaguely aware of <laughs> vaguely aware of when world leaders die. So uh, most Mandela effects, Fruit Loops versus Fruit Loops, I was like, I don't know cereal that well. And so I've always kind of just been like, maybe you're misremembering. But the Berenstain Bears, I know for a fact. Those are my favorite books. That's <laughs> my favorite books involving a family of bears. I know for a fact that, that has changed, but most of them I go, oh, maybe I have Fruit of Loom, Cornucopia. Maybe I have, again, a vague recollection of that, but this Star Trek thing is interesting, though, because there's no one who is a hardcore fan of Fruit of the Loom underwear. And even though you go, there's a lot of Star Wars fans, I can still, I know why those lines got messed up. Just like life is like a box of chocolates is easier and makes more sense than if you said life was like a box of chocolates. He's saying, my mama used to say life was like a box of chocolates. Grammatically in the film, it was correct for Forrest Gump to say that. But when you're repeating it to someone, it doesn't make sense to say life was like a box of chocolates. You're like, what are you about to shoot me? Is my life over? So I get why there's those grammatical mistakes, but this is super interesting. This Mandela effect, because you're having nerds duke it out. And I want to give a shout out to, there's a Discord server called the Eighth Tower. And it is a Discord server dedicated to the research of the paranormal and all of that stuff. And I came across that on this. wanted to give them a shout out if you're looking for a Discord server that is really into cool paranormal topics. Check them out. Check out the Eighth Tower. So that And that's where I found out about the story. So what is going on is back in 2017, a company called Roddenberry Entertainment, or Gene Roddenberry is the creative Star Trek, a group called Roddenberry Entertainment started to sell an official replica of the Star Trek Next Generation Picard desk crystal. And this is the description for the world-famous... Picard Desk Crystal, quote, One of the most iconic props associated with Captain Jean-Luc Picard, his Desk Crystal, appears prominently in no fewer than 78 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, often in his hands during the iconic speeches on moral and ethical issues that are so fundamental to the character of Star Trek's most rumative captain. Unquote. I, I can guarantee you there's people listening to listening to me read that, that did a double take, paused the podcast, and went to go look this up. And, and even though I would be considered a casual among hardcore Star Trek fans, I had no idea what they were talking about. Based on that, you would think it was as iconic as Captain Benjamin Sisko's baseball. He had a baseball on his desk that he was constantly kind of tossing back and forth when he was coming up with stuff to think of. And what's so interesting was that was a piece of his personality. He was he was so tied to earth. He was one of the few captains who even though he was in space, his heart was on earth. And which was really really interesting character trait in the fact he was the one who clinged most to the past even though it hurt his soul. Because he knew about the racism that came from Earth. Evils of the Earth and what Starfleet had come to represent and Federation had come to represent. Fascinating character trait. 
And I'm thinking, if this Picard crystal is real, if he also was kind of like tossing this crystal back and forth, <laughs> playing catch, playing catch with uh, Wesley Crusher with it, it kind of makes the baseball derivative. It kind of makes them go, well, you know, Picard had that crystal, so uh, let's give uh, let's give Benjamin Sisko a baseball. So it didn't make any sense to me when I was reading it. I don't remember him walking around with a crystal or having a crystal on his desk, but there are video compilations of this crystal on his desk. And it's not a tiny little thing, right? It's about the size of your hand. Assuming you have normal-sized hands. Sorry, Sasquatch. It's pretty big. They're sell they were selling it for $100. It looks like it's all sold out at this point because it was a um <laughs> it was from an alternate dimension, of course. It was from a Mandela Effect world. They're selling it for $100. It was a limited run, but there are videos of him holding it and this caused a huge schism in the Star Trek community because you had a lot of people go, "Oh yeah, I remember he was holding that crystal in certain episodes." He did it sometimes occasionally in seasons 1 and 2, but by season 3 he was manhandling that thing constantly. And yeah, he would sit there and he would kind of stroke it as he was trying to come to a decision whenever he had some weighty choice to make. He would be sitting there fidgeting with his crystal. But it was never explicitly mentioned and it never played a plot in any storyline. But I do remember that crystal in Star Trek The Next Generation. And then you have other people saying, not only do I not remember that crystal, even though they're looking at footage of this, right? There's a couple compilation videos going around and screenshots. And nobody's arguing that these are fake. But they're saying, not only do I not remember him ever stroking a crystal when trying to come to a decision, it ruins his character. Quite a few people, because all of the links in the show notes are going to be to YouTube videos and to Reddit threads and to there's a, um, a, a forum dedicated to alternate history Mandela effect type of things. It's called Alternate Memories. And there's also, it was interesting, the Trek forum, the forum trekbbs.com was the one where people are like, oh yeah, no, I totally remember that. He's just sitting on his desk or he'd pick it up. The one that was for, that people would go to to only talk about Star Trek stuff, they were the ones who'd be like, yeah, I totally remember that. And if you go to the Star Trek wiki, Memory Alpha, I've spent, I've spent many an hour on there, they also talk about the crystal. It's actually just in a page of crystals. They're like, one day, Odo turned into a crystal on this episode, and dilithium crystals are this. It was just kind of like a link page, and it mentioned Jean-Luc Picard's crystal that he held when he was ruminating over these decisions. But then you have other Trekkies who say, this does not exist. I never noticed this in any Trek episode before. And not only do I not... Remember it, it ruins his character. He was a man who was constantly making these decisions. And if he was like, oh, wait, before I figure out how we deal with the Tholians, <laughs> does anyone know where my crystal's at? I need to rub it for good luck. They're like, it turns him into kind of a fidgety personality. Because even when he made a decision that he didn't necessarily agree with, when he was going to go ahead and go and follow what the Federation was telling him to do or to follow the Prime Directive, he still made it with a surety. Right? He'd tell Data, no, you can't interfere with the issues on that planet. You can't. It's against the Prime Directive. He didn't, he didn't then pick up a crystal and stroke it and go, was that the right decision? So there's a war among the nerds 
and I speak very highly of Star Trek nerds, I am one of the nerds of the Star Trek universe, because some of them say this did not exist. This is might be one of the most divisive Mandela effects yet. Because again, people who say, no, 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 it's not Berenstein, it's Berenstain, and it's spelt like that, S-T-A-I-N, they just go, or not, I don't care, I don't really have anything invested in it, Maybe you misremembered it, whatever. People who fight over when Nelson Mandela died, they just go, I don't remember. But this one, you people love this show so much. Star Trek The Next Generation is ultimate comfy show, right? I used to, for my white noise when I would sleep, and a lot of times when I'm doing research too, I'll just have something in the background. Sometimes it'll be the hum of the engine from the Enterprise D. Or the bridge sounds. There's a YouTube video. I'll put it in the show notes because I know some of you guys are going to want to hear it. It's eight hours of bridge noises from Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> it's just like normal operation. It's not like, red alert, red alert. Pew, pew, pew. Borgs assimilating people. That happens like seven hours into the video. When you're deep asleep, you will be assimilated. It's just droning. You hear boop, 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 boop. And you, every so often you hear footsteps, you'll hear a turbo lift open. It's dope, right? I know a lot of you guys are like, Jason, you're really nerding out about this. Go At least go back to the, the crystal thing. Quit getting the Star Trek boner. So we have, this is rare when you have two groups of dedicated super fans who are fighting over the Mandela effect. There's no super fans fighting over how Fruit Loops is spelled or how Looney Tunes is spelled. There are people who say, I remember this show, I remember every detail, and I do not remember 78 episodes with Picard having a crystal in it. But because people are super fans, you can, the people who say, no, the crystal is real, they'll list the episodes. And if you watch the episodes now, apparently, I haven't had time to watch all these episodes for the research, the crystal's in them. So weird. So yeah, as of now, again, this thing, the crystal went on sale. That's when it came to people's attention. The crystal went on sale from Roddenberry Entertainment in 2017. And people are like, what are you, what piece of garbage are you trying to sell? There is no Picard desk crystal. And then people started to look into it and they go, what? There, This is in the show. Sitting on his desk, he's holding it. At one point, Riker apparently is holding it on the bridge of the Enterprise. And it's funny, when I first came across this, I thought this is some sort of April Fool's joke or this is some sort of marketing gimmick, like someone invented something ridiculous and then said, let's say it was in Star Trek and Photoshop it into all of this stuff. And the more I researched it, I was like, no, that doesn't appear what's happened. You would have had to infiltrate all of these highly secure fandoms, all this highly secure Star Trek stuff to pull it off. Maybe, right? You could do that. It's not like Memory Alpha is actually a computer somewhere in the Alpha Quadrant. It is just a website hosted on GoDaddy. But yeah, super weird. And then as I'm researching this, and this is 8th Tower. There was a user on 8th Tower who really got into this. I don't know what their name was. It was characters in a um, different language. He said he was posting this stuff about Picard's Crystal. And then he clipped out a YouTube comment. I thought this was really interesting. Talking again about the Mandela effect, there is someone on YouTube who goes by the name Jeffrey Adams. Might be, might be the same Jeff who's the Patreon for this episode. 
Jeffrey Adams left a comment in one of these videos about the Mandela effect and Picard's crystal. Jeffrey Adams says, um, you know, this is, you know, talking about Mandela effect. Here's a weird story. I heard a friend of mine was reading a copy of the Mothman book when it was first published. That was what they actually said. I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about the Mothman book, the Mothman prophecies, and saying when first published would have placed the story around 1975. So my friend was reading a copy of the Mothman book when it was first published, and one day she came home from work, and there were three men in black suits standing outside of her house. And she's walking, obviously you'd be curious about this, right? You'd be walking up there and you see these men who obviously look like government officials. They're holding her copy of the Mothman prophecies. And they ask her, did you read this? She says yes. And they begin asking her a few other questions. And then one of the men hands her a new copy of the Mothman prophecies with a different cover. And they say, we're going to keep your copy. Here's a new copy of the Mothman Prophecies. And they left. And when she gets inside, she's reading the copy of the Mothman Prophecies that these men gave her. And there was information missing. She said it was a different book. It wasn't so completely different. But apparently there was information missing and some chapters had changed. Now, is that story true? I mean, it's from a YouTube comment, right? It may or may not be true. When you talk about the world of the paranormal, a lot of it is first-hand or second-hand information. That's just the nature of the beast. But an interesting story, if true, right? An interesting story. And that could explain how some of these Mandela artifacts do disappear. Fascinating story, and again... People don't really fight over Fruit of the Loom or what the name of this television show was or whatever, but super fans are going to war. They are in conflict with each other. This crystal never, ever existed, and if it did, it ruins Picard's character. And I, I, I think if this crystal did exist, it does make Benjamin Sisko's baseball derivative. Like, it kind of make it kind of cheapens it. If You know what I mean? It's fascinating. It's super weird. I love it. I love this conspiracy theory. I'll, any excuse. I can talk about Star Trek. I'm down. If you remember the crystal, check out some of the videos. Check out some of the videos. See what people are saying. It's just a weird thing that's going on. Super fans. People who obsess over every detail of the show are fighting over whether or not this crystal exists. And by all accounts, it looks like it does. Jeff, my name, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carboner Copter. You go ahead and fly back down to Earth. I got some time to spend in the holodeck. While I am experiencing a lesson in logic from T-Pole, go ahead and take the rest of the crew down to Earth. Specifically, fire up that Carboner Copter. We're headed out to the United Kingdom. We are in Britain now. We're in... The UK, and we're about to meet a man named Dr. Paul Lee. Not Pauly, like Pauly Shore, but Dr. Paul Lee. He's a paranormal investigator, and he's also the creator of the UK Ghost Excursions app, which is one of those things where you 
pull out your phone. You don't know how an app works, you moron. You use your phone and you look and it's like where you're at and it'll tell you if there's ghosts nearby. Now, it's actually not that. It's not that advanced, right? Like you're walking down the street and you're looking at your app and all of a sudden a new ghost appears on it. And then you turn around and there's just been a car accident. That would be horrifying. I would actually want to make that app. Like, what if something could instantly tell a ghost was nearby? But anyways, it doesn't exist. That doesn't exist, and I don't think the science will ever be there. But it's like shows where haunted places are in the UK, and you can be like, oh, pip pip jolly, oh, there's a ghost at this haunted hotel down the street. Now, I don't. Dr. Paul Lee, he's written books... He's written books about ghosts and things like that. Recently, he was interviewed by the Daily Star. It's a British tabloid. It, it Basically, it's a lot of click... And not necessarily clickbait. It's just the weirdest stories. And they don't necessarily make things up, but they exaggerate a lot. A lot of doomsday stuff. Like, Nostradamus predicted that this Tuesday the world's going to end. So, just to let you know where this is coming from. And while... Dr. Paul is talking about his app, which he's getting the word out about this thing he's developed. He makes this comment that could have radical implications for the world of paranormal research and makes his, this is what I find so weird about it, makes his app useless. So I don't know if he's trying to spread the word that his app exists, but if he if he is, he's doing a bad job at it because what he's saying, he's basically saying this app will become useless very shortly. Fascinating. Which makes me think that he believes this is a real problem. I don't think that he is just trying to get press. If he is, he's doing a bad job at it. I think he might be trying to warn us that there is something really serious going on in the world of the paranormal. What Dr. Paul is saying is to keep his app updated, he will constantly be calling and emailing people who own haunted houses. Because he puts it in the app saying this house on Sheffield is haunted. It's haunted by a ghost that kicks kittens as they're walking down the stairs. He has to stay in contact with the owners of these locations to see if the activity is still there. Maybe there's new activity, right? And for locations that aren't private property, he would try to talk to people who had experienced hauntings there and get their feedback for the app. But he goes, since January 2020, he's noticed that haunted places in England are experiencing less activity. He says he's been sending out these letters and making these phone calls, and since January 2020, he's gotten 800 replies back, and many of them are saying there's no ghost activity here anymore. In fact, there hasn't been ghost activity here in a while. If he's inputting the information from books and accounts of people that he's getting from articles, and then he's contacting these people to get updates, they're saying nothing's happening. It used to be haunted. We used to get these reports, but now, nope, nothing. And he says this even includes famous haunted places in England. It's not just a house that might have changed hands. Like one owner says that the house is haunted, the house gets sold, someone else comes in and doesn't have any issues with it. It's not just stuff like that. He says that there are famous haunted places in the UK that are no longer haunted. And this poses a super interesting question for paranormal researchers. What is happening to the ghosts? Because we can extrapolate this. Again, this is not a skeptic. This is someone who believes in ghosts, who makes money off of the existence of ghosts, and has launched an app 
that directs you to go to various haunted locations. If there are no ghosts, his career is, it affects his bottom line. And it's so interesting. I would have figured someone who came up with a UK ghost app would have gone into the Daily Star and said, ghost sightings are up 400%. The Daily Star would have ran that headline and he could have been like, yeah, using my app. Now there's 400% more ghosts, blah, 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 all that stuff. No, he's saying they're disappearing. And, and I think we could probably extrapolate that out. It may be disappearing all over. He's the first person to find out because he was doing a mass checkup on ghost sightings in UK. And no one's really doing that. If this theory is true, if there are less ghosts now, if these famously haunted places are no longer haunted, and these places, these famously haunted places, also make their money, or a portion of their money, from ghost tours and from ghost souvenirs, so they also have a vested interest in lying. And that's what makes this story, honestly, a little concerning, because now we have two groups of people places that are famously haunted, historically haunted, and a paranormal researcher both saying there's less ghost activity than there was in the previous years. Why? So there's a couple different theories that are presented. There's been a couple articles written about this since this discovery by Dr. Lee has come out. So what could be the reason, right? What could be the reason that paranormal activity, specifically ghost, ghostly activity is disappearing? Well, it's interesting. Reading this article from MysteriousUniverse.org, these are the different reasons what could be causing this. I mean, again, we don't know. We don't even know what causes ghosts in the first place. Other, You know, we think that it's spirits of people who have passed on, but there's all even sorts of theories like that, that it's time displacement, that it's a recording that you can't actually interact with. You're just watching a event appearing over and over and over again, like a VHS tape. You, you can't interfere with the actual event. Who knows, right? There's a lot of questions about what ghosts are. But looking at the possible theories that what could be causing this, if Dr. Lee's theory is true, and again, I find it very interesting that a man who's trying to promote his ghost app is saying there's less ghosts to find. Let's take a look at a couple of these different theories. One is that what happened was there was an artificial boom in ghostly activity that a lot of these places were never really haunted to begin with. And this is this is so fascinating. In the early 2000s to probably about the mid-2000s, I don't know how many of these shows still exist, but there was a lot of these Ghost Hunters shows out. You had Ghost Hunters, you had Paranormal State, you had the one that Zach Baggins did, he might still do it. You had all of these reality shows come out, and they were hungry for content. So they would go to these places that may have been like slightly spooky, run down insane asylum, which is just as spooky as a well-maintained insane asylum, but graveyards and cemeteries and all of these historical places. And they say, oh my God, this place is haunted. Look out, cameraman, look out. Start shaking, start shaking the camera. Cameraman starts shaking, oh no, run, run. And all this stuff. So you had an artificial boom out of these 800 places that he's writing these letters to. A good chunk of them may have not have been haunted at all. They were basically spooky sets that these ghost hunter shows went to. That's a really fascinating theory. I know it's not one that a lot of ghost enthusiasts want to know. A lot of you people who love the dead want to hear, but it is something to take into account. It absolutely is something to take into account and fascinating theory. The other one is also 
a scientific theory, and that's the fact that you have a lot of amateur ghost hunters going out there with equipment that they don't know how to use. People bringing out spirit boxes, people bringing out those temperature meters or <laughs> thermometers. You basically are sticking the thermometer in a ghost butt. You have all this stuff. So you have some amateurs, which I, dude, I love ghost hunting and I promote ghost hunting. And I think everyone should do it. It's really, really fun. But, but you should know how to use your equipment. And it's possible that people were going into these locations and they were picking up all of these readings. Oh no, the temperature just dropped 20 degrees. And they don't understand that they're walking right by an open window or underneath an air conditioner vent or something like that. And so that place is marked as haunted and it was actually considered haunted or called haunted by people who were measuring the activity in the wrong way. They're bringing in a medium who's not an actual medium, who's a fraudster, and they go, oh, this place is haunted. It gets marked down as a haunted location, and then when you contact that place a couple years later, they go, oh, no, we haven't seen any ghosts here because it was never haunted to begin with. Or maybe there was just a creepy feeling and someone called in a ghost reality show, going back to that one, or called in some local ghost hunters, and they ver quote-unquote verify that it was haunted and it wasn't. Right. So that's an interesting theory. Both of those go with the skeptical side. It could have been artificially inflated numbers to begin with. Fascinating. Then we have a third theory, which is something that we've talked about a lot on this show, and I think all ghost hunters kind of have to talk about it. Why don't we see the ghosts of cavemen? And the idea has always been that ghost energy dissipates over a matter of time. That's always been the answer. I don't know if it's ever actually been proven. But otherwise, how come we don't see ghosts of cavemen? Really, if you think about it, ghosts that we see today tend to be from the Elizabethan era forward. So recently dead people going all the way back to women in big frilly dresses walking down a hallway with no head. But that seems to be a hard stop around there. We never hear people about, yeah, dude, I went to Egypt. <laughs> I, saw, I saw King Tut. And he was doing that little Egyptian stance. It was super spooky and kind of funny at the same time. Byzantine era ghosts running around with their spears through the desert. Like, that normally doesn't get reported. I don't know how many ghost hunters are in the middle of the Gobi Desert, but there may be some. We don't see ghosts going super far back. We don't see ghosts from those time periods, or any other, right? So it could be, and that's always kind of been accepted in the paranormal world, an accepted answer, that ghosts have an energy that dissipates over time. I think the only caveat you could find to that is we do see ghosts of Native American spirits, and you could argue that those are pre-colonialism. You could argue that those spirits existed before the conquistadors or before the pilgrims, the Europeans came, but we don't know. We don't know the time period of the ghosts of Native Americans we see. Uh, but I think just based on everything else that's going on in the world, it probably is ghosts of Native Americans from the same time period of Elizabethan era, right? 1700s, 1600s, stuff like that. But, newsflash, newsflash, people die every day. So even if we were losing the ghosts of yesteryear, it should constantly be refreshed with new ghosts. One theory that I have, right, that could be causing that is that this is it's tr very troubling, too, is that the phenomenon we know as ghosts may be disappearing. Like the energy that actually allows ghosts to manifest on Earth may be the whole energy grid itself that allows ghosts to exist on this planet may be disappearing. 
The phenomenon of ghosts may soon go the way of their corporeal bodies. So think about it this way. Since the beginning of time till about the 1800s, it was just accepted scientific fact or religious principle that a human could shapeshift into an animal. Every single culture on the planet had a variation of humans shapeshifting into animals. That's gone. That is completely gone from the world. If you told someone, I think there's a ghost in my house, there are a lot of people, some people don't believe in ghosts, and they'll be like, oh, whatever, buddy. <laughs> As they're getting possessed, as they're floating there, like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the most comfortable chair I've ever sat in. You're like, you're hovering, you're hovering. You're not even sitting in a chair anymore. If you told someone you had a ghost in your house, you'd have a lot of people believe you. If you told someone that you were walking home and you saw a guy walk out of Subway and he gets done eating his foot long and then he looks both ways and then he morphs into a rat and crawls into the sewer, <laughs> no one's going to believe that. Nobody's going to believe that. If you told someone that you knew a guy who meditated all day long and you went to this retreat to become part of his group, they'd be very concerned that you joined a cult, and you're like, no, 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 no. And then, like on the third day, I <laughs> didn't do this on the first two days of the retreat. He wanted to save the best for last. On the third day, he turned into a raven in front of all of us, and he flew away. And he goes, no refunds, no refunds. He flies away. People would, people would assume you, your drink got spiked. People would assume you did join a cult and you had gone crazy. So, but, but... 400 years ago, they, you would, they totally would have believed you. <laughs> they probably would have burned you as a witch in most places, but they would have believed that that phenomenon was possible. Same thing with angels, seeing angels. Same thing with miracles, just like out in the blue miracles. Not like I prayed really hard and my loved one recovered. Straight up, prayed really hard and a miracle happened. Like a new wall appeared on my house. I knew I knew it shouldn't have bought a house from that raven and only had three walls, but he said no refunds. The age of miracles, the of visible miracles has ended. The age of visitations of angels in physical form has ended. The age of the shapeshifter, the age of the evil eye. Like there were there were laws against people giving you the evil eye. It was just a known part of society, curses and stuff like that. That has all fallen to the wayside, and it's all fallen to the wayside relatively recently in human history. And you could say, well, it's because we understand science now. We understand the way things work, and it didn't work. It, it, no, that stuff we know that stuff isn't real anymore. But it could also be that the mechanisms that allowed those things to exist in our physical world decayed over time. So they weren't observable. By the time we built the microscope, you couldn't find, you couldn't see a little amoeba start growing hair and go, Arr! it doesn't exist anymore. And a lot of people say they never existed, but it was just stuff that happened all over the globe. In cultures that never talked to each other, we see these similarities. And so that may have faded away, and we may be seeing a similar fading away of the energy that allows a ghost to exist. It doesn't mean that when you die, your soul just disappears, but it means that when you die, the ability for your soul to remain on Earth for a period of time, that energy, that whatever you're drawing off of to take that form in our world may be leaving, may be gone. So it's interesting to think we've never, science has never really studied the phenomenon of ghosts in any real fashion. And, and within 200 years, 300 years, there may be no ghosts anywhere on the planet at all. 
And people will look back at stories of ghosts and be like, what? That's ridiculous. Like, people actually used to believe that a phantom would walk down the hallway. To be fair, there are people who believe that now. But there may be a, a time when no one sees a ghost. Just the same way that society as a whole has turned away from the evil eye and from angelic intervention and from angels showing up. Like, people still believe those things, but they're more scoffed at than UFOs or ghosts. And we may see the reason why people still go ghosts exist is because they have encounters with them. Lots of people have encounters with ghosts. But if this matrix, if this power that allows ghosts to appear on Earth disappears, then all those stories end and they just become little superstitious things in books. And then eventually the books stop getting published and it just becomes this thing that, man, humanity for like 10,000 years from the beginning of civilization up till around the mid. 2000s, right? 2050. People talked about ghosts all the time, but no one's seen a ghost in 100 years. Interesting theory. What's powering ghosts may be disappearing, but let's put on our carpenter caps here and wrap this episode up like this. What if there's something big coming in the world of the paranormal? Something that's so dark and evil, it's scaring ghosts away. What if there's something out there, and it may not even be an it, it may be an event. Just like how before there's an earthquake, oftentimes animals will know. Or when there is a tsunami like that Boxer Day tsunami that happened quite a few years ago, you had animals just run, before the tsunami even showed up, you had animals just running up to the highest point they could find. They sensed it was coming. They didn't have any of the fancy devices that humans had, but they knew something was coming and they got to high ground before the humans even saw the first signs of the tsunami. So what if there is something big coming that ghosts are afraid of? And so they're staying away. A ghost that would normally go, well, you know, I don't know if I want to leave yet. I see that light at the end of the tunnel, but I have some time on work. Now, there's other ghosts that are like, no, 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 hurry up, get in the light, get in the light. Something bad is headed towards Earth. It's creepy because you think about it like the end of the world, Battle of Armageddon type stuff. A demonic entity that's ready to finally make a move against the natural order. Something old and dark and evil that spent a long time setting up the chessboard. The world of the paranormal has always just kind of been there. It's secondary to all of this stuff, right? It's just what happens. Ghosts are kind of floating around doing their thing. But like animals, before the tsunami hits, they realize that what's coming is impossible to stop and it is world ending are ghosts leaving earth because they sense something is about to happen something that could even pose a threat to an undead spirit Maybe they're headed to safety. Maybe they're choosing sides in this all-out war between good and evil. 
The problem is, is we don't study the paranormal phenomenon in any real way. So we don't know what this means. It could be nothing, or it could be the first warning humanity has. The first warning that something big and unstoppable is headed our way. But if we don't even understand what causes ghosts in the first place, how can we understand? How could we hope to prepare for what is staring at our world with envious eyes? Imagine what could scare a ghost. That is what humanity could be facing very, very soon. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day, guys.